Hey, it's Sam and welcome to another episode of the Game of Loans podcast. And today I'm so, so, so happy because I'm such a big fan um, that we have Helen Williams from Helping Entrepreneurs Win on the show. Um, Helen, I've been following for quite a few years now. She is one of the best coaches out there as far as I'm concerned um, for people in business. And she obviously has a background in property as well, which is why I was so keen to get her on the podcast, not just to talk about property, not just to talk about her business coaching, but to talk about how the two actually work together and how Helen actually went about building a property portfolio, income generating portfolio to fund her passion project. And it's a great kind of methodology and a great strategy that so many people could benefit from. So I really do hope that all of you listening are going to have an absolutely fantastic time hearing some of the knowledge bombs that Ms. Williams is going to be dropping on us. Uh, if you do love this episode, um, do make sure to share it about everywhere you possibly can. Instagram is my favourite. So um, do take a screenshot of the episode when you listen to it. Save it and send it to your Instagram stories. Tag me and Helen in it. We will send it everywhere, all over the Insta world. And hopefully you might even get a few extra followers out of it, which would be cool. And we get to spread um, the, the love for this fantastic episode. So without any further ado and without me gobbling on any more um here is my fantastic interview with helen williams hello and welcome to another episode of the game of loans podcast and today i'm absolutely delighted to be joined by the very glamorous helen williams from helping entrepreneurs win almost got stuck on my words there too many h's hi helen how you doing i'm very well thank you good to see you you too you too it's been a long time since we've seen each other um but, um, but yeah, look, Helen, I know that you're very, very sort of big online and um, I, know, I know when I scroll down my feed, you're, you're there all the time giving me loads of helpful hints uh, all day and every day, which is fantastic. Um, but for those people that, that are listening that have, maybe haven't come across you before or haven't, haven't heard of you, um, can you give us a bit of an intro into who Helen Williams is and a bit of your backstory, if that's okay? Of course I can, yeah. Um, just to put it into context, obviously we, um, we met each other and have got... Um, We've, we've got the relationship there through property um, and yeah I do invest in property and I, I do have a couple of businesses in property and, and investment um, but Helping Entrepreneurs Win is a standalone company separate to, to property um, and it's personal development and coaching and basically it's to help individuals and business owners, entrepreneurs grow and develop and actually step into their potential. We are here yeah, me and my business partner Lauren, we are here to help people win. That's it in a nutshell, basically. What else wow, that, that was that was a serious like elevator pitch. I wasn't expecting you to uh, to to whip through that so um, so quickly. But I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to just go in about a backstory of you know where I was born, how old I am, what my <laughs> question is. Do you know what? You'll, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. A lot of people do that, and it and it and, it, and it's cool. Um, but I, I like it either. But what, what I wanted to, to kick off with, it's okay, is obviously, as you know, a lot of people that are going to be listening are into property. <clears throat> and I'm always keen when I'm speaking to people that are also in property, how they started out in property and a little bit more about, about that. And kind of, I suppose, from your perspective, I, I, I imagine, and you tell me if I'm completely wrong here, it acts as maybe as a springboard into now what, what you're doing. So are you able to sort of tell us a little bit more about your um, property life before we then yeah. get into, you know, how, how you're helping people now. So prior to prior to um, property, I was in the corporate world, um, and uh, I left the I left the corporate career that I climbed 
the uh, the greasy pole of and the, the career ladder um, from London um, and then went into property with my partner at the time. Um, and, you know, we'd gone through all of the education system, we'd learned about it. I'd, I'd already been around property and property development um, and portfolio um, management through uh, my family. So it wasn't all new to me. It wasn't new strategies and things like that. Um, but we went down the, down the road of education to do things properly because we were serious about um, creating a, a, you know, a solid business for ourselves and a solid income stream for ourselves. Um, and it not just be some kind of hobby or, you know, we, we're going to add a, a, another property on every couple of years when we can afford to do so. Um, and, you know, we were serious about coming out of our corporate lives. Um, so, yeah, I basically um, threw, the, threw the towel in on my, uh, on my career, much to my parents' dismay of why on earth have you done that when, you know, you've been, you've been educated to master's level, um, you've moved from Yorkshire down into London, been promoted, got a really good job, really good profile in the corporate life. Um, and then I've just turned around one day and said, right, that's it. <laughs> and they're like, why on earth would you do that? Um, but yeah, I, um, I, I started in property now, this is four and a half years ago. Um, and we've got, you know, we've got a couple of portfolios, cash flowing, you know, we do all the different strategies. We've got um, buy to lets, HMOs, uh, serviced accommodation. We do, we do flips, we do renovations. All, all of all of the shebang, you know, that everybody, um, everybody listening and, and predominantly who you deal with are used to, you know, all of this terminology used to, you know what, it, you know how it happens. It's not my, my, my main prime goal or my main prime um, area of focus. The business is through coaching um, because that's where my passion is. You know, I have with everything that I've done. Um, I have literally always helped people, even from back at school, you know, I've been the person that would help the younger kids read and, and the language lessons. And at university, I worked at Leeds United in the, um, in the Learning Academy. Um, that was just voluntary work. You know, I've always been around helping people and bringing people up so that they can, they can do more and they can, as I said, realize their own potential. I believe that everybody has potential that they can step into, but not everybody believes it. And I think that if you have somebody that can um, see that for you first and be that shining light and that beacon, then that attracts it. You know, flies are attracted to the, and moths are attracted to the flame. Like I'm that flame that is, is bringing people in that can actually then they can they can realize that potential so that's where my heart is you know that's where my focus is that's where my passion is and and you know i've had i've had the business now health entrepreneurs win since november 2017 um and we you know we're, we're growing i've transitioned from london uh, up to yorkshire again i'm back in yorkshire uh, come back up to uh, god's own county but i do i do miss the city um but a lot of our property portfolio is is, is yorkshire based but we are spread across the country but a lot predominantly is is up here um and yeah this the, the what, January this year, I brought somebody into the business, which is my business partner, Lauren, as well. So, you know, we're, we're, we're hitting it hard and we're helping people from all, from all areas of the, of the world as well, predominantly, because through, through lockdown, we've been able to access people that we've never been able to access people before. You know, you mentioned about social media and when you scroll through your feed, you see a lot of us on there, you see me on there. I'm a huge fan of social media. And how it can and, and how it can help pivot your brand and your message across the people. 
Yeah, well, I think we we first got connected on Facebook. You know, that was that was how I first found found you. However many years ago it was now, um, yeah. you, you you mentioned loads of little things there that I've been scribbling down notes frantically. Um, I'm really hoping that my pen doesn't run out halfway through because I'm looking around <laughs> thinking I don't know if I've got a spare. But um, there's a couple of things you picked up on that I was really really keen to to dive into a little bit deeper. Now. One of the things I love is, because I think this is a common misconception, is you go to a lot of these like property networking events or some of the education programs that you, you mentioned that you went through, and they, it's almost like the, the people that you're around are so enthused with property that it's the be all and end all. You know, you have to be in it 100% or more than 100% of the time, and you have to live, breathe, you know, and whatever, eat property every single day, and uh, and actually, I find from from my job there are, there are you could simplify it and you could create two different types of people that are in property, those that love it, and those that are using it for another purpose. And my gut is telling me that you're in the the sort of the, the latter of that. And actually, that that although you you see property as a vehicle to be able to put all your time and effort and passion into what is what it is you actually really love. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, it, absolutely right. You, you've hit the nail on the head. I am definitely in the latter of that group. But here's the thing. And this is where I see that, like the differences and the disparities here with when people come to a knock on our door. I am all for using property as a vehicle. However, if you're going to do that, you need to have got into that industry and go all in in that industry. So you do have to live it. You do have to breathe it. You do have to get freaking good at all of the things that you need to be good at doing, right? And it's only until you've done all of the basics and laid those foundations in that, that then you can start diversifying. What happens is people try to diversify too quickly. I'm, I'm in a good position that I have been able to do that. And I've made sure that I've done that. But I've just said it was four and a half years since I left corporate. I spent a good two years just on property alone before I then ventured out into the coaching. I always knew that I was going to do the coaching because I've always helped people. You know, I, that's always been my passion. I'd already put the business plans together for coaching before I'd done property. But I didn't get attracted by that shiny penny of, oh, like, you know, I'm bored of this shit, let's just move on. I did it properly and I got I got the right sustainability so that I was able to um, branch out as, as, as it is. But people, people don't then necessarily do the one thing and do that one thing right before then they start going out and diluting themselves. And that's where the issue like can start, particularly in property. You see it that everybody's like a, a property investor, a coach, an FX trader, uh, I don't know, you, you name it, like um, network marketing. And, you know, everybody tries it because what happens is the desire is there so much that they want to change their lives. You know, they want more. They want more money. They want more freedom. They want more choice. And because that desire is there so much, everybody's just like a magpie and it's like, what next, what next, what next? And this Shiny penny syndrome. And, and it's just kind of, you know, it, it, it just becomes impossible. If you're going to do something, be in it, be all in it and do it bloody right. Yeah, do you know, I, lo I love that, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, and what, you, what you've mentioned there is something that I talk to my clients about all the time, which is about starting with the end in mind. You had a clear goal and you're able to kind of um, work backwards from there and think, right, how, 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 am I, how can I actually achieve it? Because you could have, you know, potentially, and maybe there's a lot of people out there that would have done this, just gone, right, so I love the coaching. You know, I, it's my passion to help people. I'm just going to go into that. But then maybe 
that particular business um, wouldn't have been built on such sturdy foundations without having that asset base, that business of, of property behind it. And, it, you know, it doesn't need to be property. It could be something else, you know. It could be, you know, for me, it could be my brokerage business that's cash flowing. It could be, you know, a, a clothing company, or whatever it might be, that, that you've started a Forex trading business, as you mentioned, as an example. That can be the foundation of you starting the passion business, if you like. Um, and I think a lot of people get that, get that wrong as well, is that they might launch themselves into something <clears throat> without having the sturdy foundations in which to build on and it seems like you've done things absolutely the right way around well i hope so and it has given a lot of experience because i've done things wrong as well you know i, I transition the transition in itself is a scary thing you know when you're giving up your your salary and your commission into something where where it is unknown i remember sitting at my kitchen table in london am i allowed to swear on this yeah of course you can people ask right. me all the time i excite her a lot <laughs> I was literally sat at my kitchen table in London and, and it was four months until I'd even and completed on the first property. Four months. And I'm sat there and I'm like, what the fuck have I done? Seriously. Like, what have I done? I've given up all that. Like, nothing was coming into my account. We were fine, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd planned it all out. But that on you as the person, when you're used to being so independent, I've been, I have literally been earning wages since I was 13 years old. Illegally, obviously, and I know this is recorded, but hey ho. But I mean, you know, like, <laughs> do you know what? This, this is this is really bad little tangent, but because you're from like from Yorkshire, I'm thinking like that you're down like a coal mine or something as a 13 year old. <laughs> I, I missed out on that. My dad was at 15, Amazing. but I, I, missed, I missed out on the pit. And I don't have a little whippet either, you cheeky shit. <laughs> I'm not even going to mention how this. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I've been, I've, I've been used to being independent and earning my own money, you know, mm. and it, when that then goes, you're just like, yeah, that, it, that, what it does to you and your mindset and your belief is just, it's just huge. Yeah. And we've, we've spoken about money. So that's a topic um, previously as well. And, and I think we, we both fall into the category of people that are quite passionate about money, but not in a traditional way, i.e. just grab, grab money, money, money. It's just thinking of it more as a kind of a philosophy and a mindset. And um, I find that a lot, of people's, a lot of people get very stressed out over money. Um, and mainly that is the scarcity of it and worrying about the scarcity of it. Um, even though they're printing money every single day, which I find a really strange philosophy. Um, but when you, when you think back um, to, to that point, and I know that I, I hate that kind of the, oh, if I could go back and do things differently, because I just believe that you, sh you shouldn't think that way. Just learn from your mistakes and, and try to do things better in the future. But if you did go back to that period of time, two, two things, two questions, which would be, number one, would you actually do things differently? Would you hold on to that corporate job and maybe sort of cross over and try and do the property as a side hustle sort of thing and or what kind of what kind of motivation now being the coach that you are would you maybe have given yourself at those, at those times when you were feeling a bit down and, uh, and a, bit, a bit scared if you like um in answer to your question no i wouldn't do things differently um i'm a kind of person that it, it's kind of all or nothing like that doesn't work for everyone but that's my mentality i'm a little bit I'm a little bit weird when it comes to that in terms of people can't always accept it. It's like, you know, 
I'm no, I'm no kind of, let's just sit in the middle ground where it's safe. Like I literally, I don't know if it's the adrenaline buzz or anything, but it's like, it is just like, right, I'm in, like, let's go. Like, and that is kind of how I operate. You know, that's how I get my, that my drive and everything. Um, so I couldn't, I couldn't physically do that anyway with work. I was working far too many hours. I was bringing work home on a weekend. I couldn't do the, the, the it wasn't a nine to five you know, on, on contract, on paper, what I signed for my job description and my contract. Yes, it was a nine to five. It wasn't. Like, it seriously wasn't. Like, I was the last one sometimes getting um, getting out of the stadium before they locked it up at nine o'clock at night. As you, as you know, I worked at Twickenham mm -hmm. um, and headed the sales team up there as, as my last role. Um, and, it you know, it was so intense for, you know, what we had to deliver on and the numbers and the budget and yeah it, it was it was impossible there was no way that i could have run a business on the side of that bearing in mind i did have some properties that i was looking after anyway so i couldn't have i couldn't have layered up and gone more down the professional line that would have that would have then ended up being me still staying in the corporate world and just adding one or two properties to the portfolio as we go and that's not what i wanted it was that all or nothing you know yeah. Um, and second to that, you said about motivation. What would I? What would I do? It wasn't motivation that I needed. I was motivated. I was in it. Like it was a case of, well, I've made, I've made my bed. I lie in it now. Um, it was more down to um, the belief that it was okay and the trust in the process. Um, and I've always backed myself for for anything. But there is there is always that niggly doubt. You know, I'm not immune to that. There is always that niggly doubt of oh shit, you know, what if this doesn't happen? And I remember speaking to my mom and she's like, oh, but you've only just got your mortgage in London, you know, and you know what, and all of this, you know, you're exposing yourself. And I'm like, mom, it's cool. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I'll just go back and get a job. And then I'm thinking, I really can't. I really can't. Like, I don't go back on something if I've made my decision. And that's not just through stubbornness. That's just a case of, well, I've made the decision to look forward I'm not looking back. Mm. So to have that, to have that in the background is if it fails, it's okay. I'll just go back to a job is, it's me giving up. I would see it as me giving up and not actually then um, going out there and doing what I've said that I'm capable of doing. Um, yeah. But you see, yeah, it wasn't the motivation. I was motivated. It was just more of kind of that, that little bit of, that little bit of validation, I guess, to, uh, to then say, Do you know what, it's okay, you, you're doing okay, you're on the right path. Yeah, it's, I, I would imagine, because I get it all the time, and I know my business partner gets it, because I'm the one that has to go, come on mate, it's okay, you know, um, and every, everyone does. People have this perception that entrepreneurs are people that are just on it 100% of the time. You know, from the second they, they their eyes open in the morning till the, the, the moment their head hits the pillow, they're in it. They're they're 100%. They have no self doubt. They are you know they're focused, and it's just not it's not the case. I have I reckon I have self doubt about seven times a day, <laughs> um, and I feel as though maybe this is a kind of a trait that you see quite a lot with your clients that yeah. you maybe would are, are there to kind of support and and nurture and, and help. Everybody has, has self-doubt. We've all got a we've all got a mind that plays tricks on us. We've all got that we've all got that demon that tries to come in and take over. Like 
the, the thing is, and the difference is between people who um, continue to pursue on their on, on their goals and the, the the entrepreneurs that actually then go on and succeed and continually succeed and sustain what they've grown is the fact that they have the self-doubt but the reaction time lessens dramatically so they change it all around you know they reframe things and they get things into a position where it's like i've caught you you're not doing it to me you're not stopping me i'm on i'm onto it and you you're then back on track Whereas if, you, if that's not trained and that's not nurtured and that's not reprogrammed in your mind, then unfortunately the demon is going to take over and the self-doubt does win. So how do you, from a coaching perspective, help somebody that maybe has an incredible focus on their, you know, their, their business journey and they have an you know, incredible idea and they really, they're really passionate about it? But maybe, I mean, and I, and I find that a lot of the self-doubt maybe is actually external where you surround yourself with people that maybe don't quite understand what you're doing um, and don't have that same kind of maybe one percenter mentality that I would call it. How, would you, how do you sort of, how do you coach somebody like that? Because I find that maybe it's something that you're kind of born with where you have a bit more focus or is it something you can be coached into somebody to just have that much greater focus and try and get rid of or, or deal with the self-doubt? It- I believe that everything like that is is learned behavior. I believe that anybody can be successful in business with learned behavior. You know, confidence is a learned behavior. Belief is a learned behavior. Discipline is a learned behavior. These are all the traits that anybody successful and in business, in property, in whatever whatever realm you're in, needs. But it's learned behavior. You know, they, do, they, don't, they don't anoint you at birth and send you one way because you've got confidence and send you the other because you've not. And say, yeah, you're going to fail in business. You're going to succeed in business. It, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. You're all given the same blank page, you know, in life and in business. It's what we do with it. Yeah. And if we are prepared to then go step by step, to go through all of the, the sticky shitty bits of you know what, what we are going through in terms of uh, our doubt and and being truthful to ourselves, you know, holding our hands up to say, yeah, I'd really like to do this, but I am doubting myself. And then we, you know, we unpick all of that to say, you know, where has that come from? Is it internal? Is it externally influenced? Or is it literally within your within your control? And we are in control more than we give ourselves credit for. You know, the ethos behind um, helping entrepreneurs win is hashtag you first. That comes from a perspective of, um, you know, everything around you and within you is in your control. And it's not, to, it's not to create selfish little fuckers that are walking about thinking that you're arrogant and that you've got an ego bigger than the planet. Like, it's not to do with that. It's to say that, you know, everything starts with you. Your health and your well-being, your mindset, your your relationship behind money, behind business, behind what you want, your value system, your belief system, everything starts with you. You know, I've said about it at the beginning about untap, going into your untapped potential. Nobody else can do that for you. That has to start and end with you. And what we do is we work with the individual and build that individual into into somebody that's very very self-aware somebody that's really um confident and comfortable in their own skin and is not afraid to keep going forward and that's what it's all about you know it's not about um reaching for things that are, that are unobtainable it's not for um setting um, realistic unrealistic expectations it's for making sure that the, that individual 
is completely aligned with who they are and what's important to them. And once then they have all of that, it's transferable into business. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think what, what you're saying, I, I, I mean, I love that hashtag, by the way. I've not seen that for some reason. Um, I've just made a note because uh, uh, I, like, I really, really like it. And it is true. I think that, um, you know, as somebody that, that has, that I'm, I'm very fortunate. I do have people around me that I can lean on and, and talk to and kind of use as mentors, coaches, therapists, you know, you, you, you name it. Um, and, it, and it's massively important, but ultimately I've, I've found on a personal level, exactly what you've said is actually true in that it's that time away from those people where I can then actually think about things clearly for myself. That's probably where the growth happens. And do you find that, that when people sort of have their sessions with you or they come to your events, they, they, get, they get the information, they get the knowledge, they get the empowerment, but actually it's that time away from you in a way that they have that time of clarity where they can go, yeah, okay, this, this, this all works. and can stop being sort of self-sufficient with that mindset. And then they'll come back to you for your next session maybe and just be a, a different person almost where you, you can actually see that change. Is, is that kind of how things, how things work? Yeah, the, the, growth, the growth has to happen away from the sessions and away from the event rooms and away from the webinars and things. It has to happen there. Like, we don't, we don't pride ourselves to say that, you know, we are, we are an injection of, of motivation. Like, I'm, I'm not. It doesn't come down to motivation. You need to be motivated to, to get started. You need to be inspired, for sure. You know, you don't want... You, nobody is going to um, sort of buy into you if, if you know, you, you're dull or you're, you're unmotivating or whatever, or you're uninspiring. You have to have that. But the, 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 the main ingredient for somebody going away and actually doing the work is their discipline. They have to do it. Like I say to people that come back to their sessions, like, you have got, we've gone through everything that you need to go through. Now go away and do it because knowing is not enough. It's going to come down to the actual application and I can't do that for you. You can, you have to do that bit yourself. So, you know, yeah, they have to go away from the sessions and do the work because you know, just coming for coaching or just coming to attend an event is not just, is not going to make it happen. That's not going to achieve goals for people. You know, I know that people get stimulated so much, but the motivation and the stimulation that happens from being around those people and, and being around, um, you know, when me and Lauren are delivering in webinars or workshops or in events or whatever, that's all well and good. But that motivation can disappear as soon as you walk out the door, as soon as you go to the car park and you can't find where you parked your car or, you know, you've not got enough um, change for the machine, or you get stuck in traffic on the way home, or you just find out that your kid's ill and has been sent home from school, or, or whatever, that motivation's gone. Because as soon as life then gets in the way, and as soon as challenges then come up, what happens? I am, as you were saying that, I was actually taken back a little bit, because I know, because maybe it was in my, lodged in my head, because you mentioned about the, the, the property education that you did at the start. Um, and then, so I was thinking back to when I did, cause I did a couple of three day courses, um, a few years back. And, um, and I remember, I mean, we all know the stories about sort of the property education stuff. It's the, the weeping and hollering and high fiving and, uh, you know, shouting for chin and all this sort of stuff. Um, not my bag, by the way, not yeah. my bag. I even finished my courses. <laughs> no. Was it, because, was it because of that? Or did you just think that you just got to a point where you're like, you know what, I don't need this anymore. I've got enough basic information I can go and figure the rest out for myself. I, I, I don't do high fives. I don't do networking fucking bingo. Um, 
like, um, enough was enough. I've never heard that terminology, networking bingo, before. That's brilliant. Like, no. That, you, that was me. I, so I, what I, where I was going with that, and what I was going to ask you is, um, and this, this might sound controversial, so I'm sorry in advance to anyone yeah, that's, that's listening, but we all know... <laughs> We, we, we all know that the elephant in the, in the room when it comes to property education, there's the Samuel Eads thing that was on TV. You know, there's a bit of a dark cloud surrounding that particular part of the industry um, at the moment. But, and this is, this is being sort of devil's advocate here, um, because I know I've seen the footage of people, and we know what they're like in terms of the selling, selling, selling. It isn't, it isn't nice. Um, and I can tell you a little story in a second about how bad the, the, the course I was. And in fact, I'll just, I'll just quickly tell it to you now. It's how bad the course was that I was on, right? So in, on the first day, <laughs> we were told that we could buy property using credit cards. It's like, as a, as a mortgage broker, I was like, hmm, you can't. Um, and, uh, and then what they did was they, they taught you about basically just use, using all the, all the resources you have. Then they said that here's an exercise in confidence um, how you know how to get your confidence, your negotiation skills, and they gave us a piece of paper with how to call your credit card companies and how easy it was to ask them for an increase in your uh, line of credit um, and also to probably lower your interest rate. Funnily enough, it was quite helpful because I still have that and I do call my credit cards um, to, to change things around on a regular basis. Um, but, um, so it was quite useful. But, they then, when everyone came back from their like their lunch break, they came in and they were like, "So, who managed to do this?" And the show of hands, loads of people holding up their hands and saying, "Yeah, yeah, no, I, I did it. I'm really, I managed to increase mine by four thousand pounds, by five thousand pounds. I think the highest was like eleven thousand increase, something like that." They now know that you have the money to buy their next round of courses, and they play on it. And I thought it was, and and I and I. Maybe I was one of the few people in the room that just saw through it. Um, and I don't know why, because it's very easy to be manipulated in those situations. But that, that sort of aside, and going back to the point I was making, like I said, being a sort of devil's advocate on this, you were talking more earlier on about people going to these kind of webinars, they're going to these um, sessions, they're maybe meeting with a coach, whatever it might be, going on courses, incredibly enthused because they're doing the, the whooping and hollering and high-fiving and shouting ka-ching and all this kind of stuff. They then come out of that environment and they, then in real life hits them. Yeah. And then they don't actually do what they were meant to do. They, they, they don't take action on what they've learned. And do you actually think that a lot of the negativity surrounding coaching or, or going to these types of events actually is just because people just didn't take action and they're, they're moaning because they didn't get successful, but it's because then they, these people aren't there to hold your hands. They're here to give you the tools to go and do it for yourself. And I may, like I said, maybe I've been a bit controversial there, but do, do, you, do you see where I'm sort of coming from? It's not controversial at all. It's, it's unfortunately, that's the shit that happens. I've seen it myself. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that does happen. Um, unfortunately, there are so many events based on hype um, that it, it, it gives so, so much false expectation. And, you know, particularly in property, when you're told that you can be financially free, in inverted commas, hate the term, it's not mine, please don't associate it with me. 
Um, but if if that if you are told that you can achieve that in two years, then that straight away is setting a lot of people up for a fall, and a massive fall from a considerable height. And what is the scariest thing here? And unfortunately, or fortunately, however which way you look at it, because I find it alarming, but at the same time, I am here to help. And, you know, I take great pleasure in helping people legitimately and genuinely. But people come to me when they've had this great fall and, you know, they haven't been able to fulfill the, the false expectation. They are up shit creek without a paddle. They end up being um, an even more of an emotional, chaotic mess than what they were in the first place. But what happens is, right, when a lot of events are based on, and this is not just property, I've seen it in all different, um, all different industries, by the way, but when, when, when events and, and kind of secrets to success and, and external strategies and, and follow, this, follow this model and you will be successful in, in seven days, it's, it's the same sort of shit, right, that gets fed around um, in terms of get your dream bikini body in 12 weeks or whatever it is. It, it doesn't happen. Like I've been working on my bikini body for 37 years and you know, it takes a lot of hard work. It's not just a case of that you're just gonna like, like step out onto the catwalk in 12 weeks. It doesn't happen like that. But the th what I'm getting at is the fact that when it's all based on hype and unrealistic expectation, it's easy to prey on people that are there with an intention based on desire. And when that intention based on desire is all around um, freedom, choice, money, um, and a better life, it's, it's easy prey. It, and that sounds awful, but that's, that's what happens. And because people are, have got good intention, and it's based on, on desire, what happens is, is that they are, they are often unha unhappy, they're unfulfilled, you know, they're frustrated, um, they're, they are, um, they're not happy with where they want to be, basically. They're not where they want to be in life. And they think that there's a better way. They think, and they're being sold that there's a better way. And all that happens is, basically, you, you, you've then, you, you're then concocting all this together and it's a very, very powerful um, co cocktail of emotion. And it's this cocktail of emotion that, that nobody has even any of that self-awareness of because it's the emotion side of things that there's no education around. And that's where we come in, in terms of the self-awareness and understanding you as a person. Like what, what, what's, making you, what's making you tick, you know? In what way? What are your triggers? What are your thought processes? What's your internal dialogue? How does that affect your emotional behavior? Mm. But not, none, of that, none of that's took into consideration. It's just, it's just this big gold dangly carrot because people have gone in there with good intention and have a massive desire to do well. But they miss out all of the steps. Basically, they miss all of the steps from A to Z and part of the A's even cut off and part of the Z's even cut off and all of the letters in between have been missed out. Yeah, it's, do you know what, as you were saying that, I was thinking a little bit about um, when, I was, when I was at university. Um, I, did, um, I did history at university. In fact, I, like you, I went, I was a glutton for punishment. I went back and did a master's as well. Um, and people often ask me, like, what was the usefulness of studying history at the university? You didn't go off and become 
and a historian. You know, I'm not John Snow on the on the on the TV doing his his uh, documentaries or anything like that. Maybe one day that'd be quite fun, wouldn't it? Um, mm. But uh, and I do have a passion for it. Like I just love learning about history. But people say, like, well, you know, how does that help you in life? Um, and I think a lot of people they'll go to university, tr the traditional route of education, and people that maybe don't think of it in this way won't get it is that you go off and actually you become relatively self-sufficient because a lot of people will leave home to go and do that and especially doing a history degree especially doing a history master's degree the actually the emphasis and they tell you this at every single lecture you go to every single seminar you're part of go off and do it right I, i'm not your teacher i'm not your mentor i'm not here to hold your hand you know they're actually very some of them are really blunt about it like that You've got the reading, you've got a lot, you've got one of the, you know, got an amazing library of resources, you've got the internet, go and, go and do this, go and figure it out. And actually, I think, you know, a lot of people go to university, they come out, they do the corporate life, um, and they fall into that. But I think with the particular discipline that I studied, it taught me actually to that once the, edu the, the, the touch time was over, it was actually the other time that the action needed to happen. And, and I learned the hard way, you know, my, my, um, my first year of university, I did really badly because I was lazy as hell. I was just playing rugby and drinking. That's pretty much all I did. Um, but then, then sort of when I sort of got my act together, I just about scraped through my first year and realized actually I needed to do a, a bit better at this. It was then that I figured out that actually I need to be self-sufficient. I need to be self-motivating. I need to do this, this myself. Yes, I've got these people that are there to help me on my six hours a week that I have to touch, you know, my touch time, as they used to call it. But I, I, over and above that, it was down to me whether I passed this course or not. And the, the buck stopped with me. And I think that's a great lesson in life, isn't it? That actually the buck stops with you. Nobody cares about your life as much as you do. Maybe, maybe your mum does, you know, but, but even so, you know, you're a very close second, you know. Mum still can't do it for you. Mm. She might care for you more than anybody else and sometimes care for your life more than you do at times, but she can't do it for you. Yeah. And that's the thing, responsibility, that ownership over, over whatever it is, that you should be stepping out in life knowing that you are doing your best and that you're excelling every single day. The middle pillar of HEW stands for excellence um, and that is all about being better today than you were yesterday. Moving forward, continuing improving, but um, but yeah, you're right. You know, nobody can do it for you. Nobody's nobody's coming to save you. Mm, exactly, and that's it. And I think that what I've learned as well is even in the corporate world, no one's there to save you either. If you do a shit job, you're fired. You know, so there's no there's no moddy cuddle in there either. Um, and so unfortunately, and this is going off on a, on a very very slight tangent here, but. You know, this is this is why I think I mean, both my parents are self-employed, so I think it's just in my blood anyway. But this is why I eventually decided to branch off and do my own thing because actually I realised that even as an employee, the security isn't there as much as people think it is. I think it's a bit of a fantasy, uh, unless you maybe you know a civil servant or something, you've got a bit of a job for life. Um, actually, your your loss of income can go like that, you know. And so actually. I, I feel much more comfortable now knowing that I'm responsible for my own income rather than someone else being responsible for it. And I think that's, that's really key. And I know that was a little tangent, but I thought I'd just get that in there. <laughs> no, it's right. And we always say to clients as well, you know, with your behavior and with your work ethic and with your uh, action taking, would you hire yourself or fire yourself? That's brilliant. 
I've never, do you know what? I've never even thought about that. I've never thought of it that way. I'm going to start thinking like that actually now. I don't know what, I'm trying, do you know what you, you just done? You just literally just, I've just thought to myself, what do I find myself right now? I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm on a podcast. Maybe I should, uh, you know, maybe I should be uh, doing some paperwork or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I make time for this. Don't worry, clients who are listening. Um, do you know what, Helen, honestly, as, I mean, this is, this is why I consume so much of your content because I, I genuinely think I could just sit and chat to you all day long. Um, for those that um, that are listening, Helen's going to get off to a, a yoga class. Um, so always make sure you look after your, your, yourself, people. Um, so I wanted to sort of uh, wrap things up. But um, obviously, before I let you go, Helen, I want to make sure that everyone who has done isn't already following you across all manner of social media platforms can do so. So how's the best way for them to, to start following you, consume your content, and if they want to take it to the next level, either contact you about maybe being a client or come along to some of your events as and when they, they're back in, uh, you're back in business with that. Awesome, thank you. Um, any, any, any social media platform really, um, the, the main ones, Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, uh, HEW Coaching, and also check us out at helpingentrepreneurswin.com. You'll get all the links on there as well. And we also have a, a podcast uh, that we host, which is called Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur? So we are, we'll look into the realities of becoming an entrepreneur. There's guest interviews on that. And, and yeah, that's quite juicy. It's quite matter of fact. You know, there's coaching techniques involved in that. But also, then, like I said, the realities of, of what it takes. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, it's, it's very, very much recommended. So I'll make sure that I get all of the uh, all of the, the links and everything in the show notes so everyone can nice and easily find you, Helen. Um, but before I go, obviously, I have to ask you um, the most important question of all. As you know, I'm a massive chocoholic and I like to... It's, I feel like I've got a massive sort of storage cabinet now of, of information about all my guests uh, as to what is their what their favourite chocolate is. So I'm very, very as somebody who I know is very healthy, I'm very interested to know what your your favourite uh, chocolate treat is. This is a really tough question for me. I am healthy, but I do eat I do eat whatever I like. You know, I do have a very, very balanced approach to life. I I love chocolate. I love eating like bad food, and I love wine. <laughs> So yeah, I, I don't just drink water and green shakes all day long. Um, my favourite, <laughs> do you know what I've been consuming a lot of in uh, lockdown? Go on. Um, is have you seen the um, the Kit Kat chunkies? Mm -hmm. The the sort of caramel fudge. Yes. Oh my word, they are amazing. So they good. So amazing, and also a close second to that is the sort of caramel Twix. Oh, so I haven't found this yet. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, somebody, somebody else gave me uh, this as a recommendation, and I've been searching around for it, and I cannot find it anywhere. Um, oh, send me your address. They yeah. have it at the local co-op. They're at the co-op. Okay. Well, I, I live near a co-op, so I oh, well, go try that. Go try them. Co-op. It's the co-op that I found those. That's Sorry. closest to us in lockdown, so that's where I've been getting and getting all my treats from. <laughs> ah, amazing! Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm literally, I'm literally just gonna go and find find some. <laughs> yeah, I'm so I'm, I'm so excited about this because I, I I'm I'm a bit when it comes to chocolate, I literally will just eat anything. I can't think of a chocolate. I'm not a massive bounty fan, I have to admit. Um, but apart from that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm finding that more and more because bounties like the traditional chocolate, everyone goes, eh, don't like that. I don't like like those Turkish delight things either. 
Um, my mother-in-law loves them. Um, she also likes the bounty, likes bounties. So I was like, yeah, you, you go and do that. I don't, I don't mind. What's great about me and Emily though is at Christmas um, is that we like, you know, when you get like the miniature heroes and the roses and Quality Street, we all like, we like completely separate ones. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, I, I like all like the ones with like the strawberry in it or the or the like the caramel in or the orange in. I like the flavored ones and she. She likes the, the, the hard, the hard ones. So, yeah, it's great. Christmas is fantastic. I get to eat all the chocolates <laughs> that I actually like. It's, it's hard. It's hard to say a favourite chocolate though. I do like chocolate. I do have a lot of time for chocolate. I know. <laughs> quick, quick follow-up question: When you store chocolate, and, and if you're anything like me, chocolate doesn't get stored for very long in my house. Um, but does it, does it get stored in the cupboard or the fridge? I don't store it. I I would buy it to consume because as I shop, I, it it doesn't it doesn't just form part of my shopping list. Right. So I buy it to consume. I don't store it. Good. Okay. I'm I'm alright with that. If you if you were a fridgy, then you know maybe we wouldn't be able to be friends. But no, I mean I mean I like to dunk biscuits and tea and stuff like that. So I'm not necessarily a fridge chocolate person. Do you know so so I I had uh, Ben Wolford on on the show uh, recently. And, um, and we were talking about the chocolate thing and I must have completely misheard what he said, but I thought that he said that he ate, um, like similar to what you were saying about chocolate, um, dipping biscuits in tea. I thought he said that he dipped, um, after eights in his tea. <laughs> and I just went off and I was like, what? You can't, and he goes, no, 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 that's not what I said. I was like, oh, is there anything, is that anything more disgusting than after eights in work. tea? No. I don't I think, think that it just melt, wouldn't it? No, but that would, um, that would be more of a disaster than a rich tea. Yeah, and I have to say, apart from chocolate, my other, in terms of my other sort of passion life, it is I love biscuits, and my favourite, my favourite biscuit, I think the king of biscuits, is a jammy dodger. You can't go wrong with a jam, jammy dodger. No. no, I think that's what I call it. I call it the king of biscuits because it's got everything you want. Nah, I, I, nah. Go on. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know actually on biscuits. I'm not. I, I'd rather have a bar of chocolate or a chocolate, like you know, than a, than a biscuit. But I'd probably go for something. I don't know. You know, like the, what what people class as posh biscuits. <laughs> so it's those big chunky kind of cookies with like yeah. it's just slathered in chocolate as well. Um, I nice. think I'd go for something like that. Oh, my mum's my mum's homemade shortbread. Oh yeah, oh, um, yeah. My, my mother-in-law made some whiskey shortbread over lockdown. Oh my god, it was just to die for. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, we're going to see her today. We're all going on holiday as a big family today, so I'm actually hoping that she, maybe she's made some to bring along. Um, oh, lovely. Which would which would be awesome. But um, as I said, I'm conscious that uh, you've got to go and uh, and do your morning yoga session very very soon. Namaste. So, <laughs> so, um, so I'll, I'll let you go, Helen. But thank you ever so much for sharing so much amazing knowledge and value with us today. It was absolutely incredible. And as I said, I think I could just sit here and, and listen to you all day long. I, um, I love you to bits. So, um, thanks so much for taking the time this morning to do this. And, um, and hopefully, at some point in the future, maybe we can do a part two, part two, maybe even in person, which would be really fun. Oh, absolutely. And we'll get we'll get you on the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show as well. I'd be delighted. Absolutely delighted. Cool. Well, thanks very much, Helen, and enjoy your yoga this morning. Thank you so much. Take care. Well, there you have it. Another one bites the dust, as they say. But let me ask you a quick question. Did you enjoy this episode? 
If so, please do subscribe to the podcast as well as rating and reviewing it. This really does help me get my podcast out to more people and I'll be eternally grateful. As well as this, are you in property and wondering what to do at the moment? Well, if that's the case, I've set up a fantastic new Facebook group called Social Media for Property Investors. Check out the link in the show notes below and join us where we will discuss all the things that you need to know to smash it on social media. See you later.